New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Dr. Susan Campbell, author of From Triggered to Tranquil, How Self-Compassion and Mindful Presence Can Transform Relationship Conflicts and Heal Childhood Wounds. I'm speaking with Susan at her home by remote connection. Susan, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's my pleasure to be with you as well. You remind us in this work that you do about triggering and how we get triggered. There are two ways that we can respond basically to challenging situations. One is from our higher brain, the prefrontal cortex. The other way is responding from our lower brain, which is often called our reptilian brain. Can you please describe the difference? Yes, this is an important question because all of us humans have this two-part brain. Well, there's actually three parts, but the two parts that are relevant here is there's a middle brain area that processes emotions, and it's called the amygdala, but we, in shorthand in brain science, call it the survival alarm system. So this part is ready to jump whenever anything slightly dangerous Uh, like maybe a flat tone of voice or a disapproving look, that that part of the brain is always scanning for danger. Now, in the primitive times, it was scanning for actual threats to our physical survival. But, you know, now it's mostly responding to interpersonal danger, such as a disconnection or a perceived disconnection from somebody who's important to us. So that's the the survival alarm part of the brain, and that reacts very, very quickly. That's what's going on when we're triggered. We're coming from that part of the brain. We've instantly perceived danger, even though very often there is no real danger now, not physical survival-type danger, not the kind of danger that you would be wanting to react really, really quickly to. We're all much better off when we're in interpersonal communication situations to come from the prefrontal cortex part of the brain. And I'll explain that, and then I'll tell you how to get from one part of the brain to the other efficiently, okay? But the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that developed later in evolution, and it is the part that's capable of cooperating, collaborating, listening, empathizing, showing compassion, listening to viewpoints that differ from your own. Now, that's a very important resource to always have online. But those go offline completely when you're triggered and you're coming from your survival alarm part of your brain. So uh, you don't want to do that. You want to get calm, (laughs) And you want to slow everything down. And then that's what the book is about, how to calm yourself as soon as you see that you're triggered. Slow everything down so you can get your higher brain back in charge. You know, Susan, I think that we all 
would like to strive to be more effective in our lives. I think this is universal. And so what you're doing here and what you're presenting here is to help us to see, hey, this reactivity or what you call when we get triggered and we have this automatic response from a conditioning that goes oftentimes all the way back to our childhood. And we just like, boom, 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 come in and just respond without even thinking. So you help us to slow that process down, to take a pause, to understand even that we are triggered, that we are being reactive rather than in the moment and really present. So what advice do you have there to help us notice that we're in reactivity and how to move from that into a deeper sense of effectiveness? Well, it's important to begin to realize that almost every human gets triggered sometimes. That's the biggest first step. And once you can admit that, it'll be easier for you to notice, oh, I got angry, or I had a judgmental thought, or I thought somebody shouldn't have behaved the way they did behave. All of those are usually signs that you're triggered. So I teach people how to analyze yourself so that you can notice those early warning signs, stop what you're doing, pause, calm your nervous system, and get that prefrontal cortex back online so that you can go, hey, wait, what did you say? Will you say that again? Could we start over? Could we slow this down? That sort of thing. So when you say, you know, to take a pause, what are some of the suggestions you have when we're in that pause? So let's say, oh, you notice maybe you're in a group or maybe you're one-on-one -on -one and you notice that, okay, I'm having a reaction you don't even have to process that with another person. You can do this all internally in a moment just to take a pause inside. And what are some of the suggestions you have for us to do during that pause? Well, I think it's better to take a pause and do a little bit of internal work before continuing a conversation. So first we have to <laughs> kind of get used to the fact that just continuing to talk is not always the best thing. <laughs> and that's a hard one for us humans, you know, because we want to be right. We want to get ourselves heard. Then I finally get the idea that pausing is actually a good thing. Sometimes you have to just do it and see if it's a good thing. And I want to I wanna say, trust me, but I don't want to really say that. I want to say, try it, try it with an intimate partner. Try having a pause agreement where you say, hey, if I'm getting triggered, I'm gonna say the word pause and I'm gonna just slow everything down, be quiet for a couple minutes, calm my nervous system. I'll let you know that's going on, but I'm gonna do that. And if we're both triggered and we're arguing, how about if we both pause together? And what we do during that pause is we take some slow conscious breaths quite a few. But if, if you doubt this, just try taking five breaths sometime when you're anxious. If you just really take the time to do that, everybody I've ever done that with, 
they feel calmer. They might not be calm enough to talk yet, but they feel calmer after even five slow breaths. This stuff really works, but the ego mind just wants to get on with it, you know, and do the talking thing. Yeah. So learning to pause, big deal. Breaths, feeling your feet on the floor, feeling the chair holding you, feeling your relationship to your physical surroundings. The idea of all of this pausing is to reassure yourself that there's no tiger about to jump out at you. There's no real survival danger here. And that's the, that's the only reason we, we have this survival alarm system. It's for real survival things, like a car coming at you. Well, then you want to react fast. But in most interpersonal communication, you really are better off slowing it down and then going, oh, I was triggered. Oh, there's a little ouch in there. I, I kind of didn't like what that person said to me. Ooh, and I can feel it in my chest. Let me breathe into that and see what that's about. And as you breathe and are curious, you're opening up more space in your awareness for other things to arise. So as you get calmer, you're more safe to maybe have some old memories that give you some clues to the roots of your trigger reactions, because your trigger reactions are like fear reactions. Like the, they're motivated by the fear you're not good enough, you're going to be abandoned, you're going to be controlled, you're going to be rejected. No, those are sort of the common fears that all humans tend to have. So what will happen as you pause and feel is some kind of a fear or a story from your childhood might come emerging. And you can tenderly hold that, feel compassion, like a good mother would sit with a much-loved child who came crying because some kid hurt them on the playground. You're there for yourself. You're building a relationship with yourself and you're building a deepening practice to know yourself better. That's what you do during the pause. You listen, and new things will come to you. You'll be much more self-aware person if you do these practices. You know, Susan, let's suppose we're in a relationship and we did a reaction to our partner. We just popped off verbally on them and just, you know, accused them of something or whatever we said. And then you suggest we take a pause, and then you talk about a repair moment where then we come back and we repair using non-controlling language, you know, where we say, okay, if I had a do-over, here's what I could have said that was more effective. I'd love your comment on that repair. Well, there's five steps of trigger work in the book. In order to be ready for repair, you have to know what the fear is, what the core fear is that motivates most of your protective defensive reactions. We just remember that all of these trigger reactions are a form of self-protection that you may have needed when you were little. You don't need it now, but you begin to identify, oh, I still shy away from speaking my truth because when I was a kid, when I spoke my truth, I got punished. When I said the emperor's not wearing any clothes, 
know, I was put in my room and told not to come out for an hour. So you realize that before repair, you have to know that vulnerable part of yourself that motivated the acting out of your fear. Like the acting out of your fear would be like, you don't get to push me around or you don't get to talk to me like that, which it's good to be able to mark boundaries and and say that. But when you're triggered, sometimes you're misinterpreting a situation. So once you've calmed yourself down and touched in to, okay, what's the fear? Because when you know what your fear is, then you can come back and say, you know, when I reacted in that aggressive way to you, my fear of my voice doesn't matter was what came up. My fear of not being heard or valued was what's coming up. And so that's, that's what you say in your repair. You say, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry I reacted that way. You didn't deserve that if you did act out. That was my old fear of not being heard coming up. And I need your help feeling that my voice does matter. So it's like whatever the fear was, my voice doesn't matter. You now have the language to ask for some help. But you don't ask for specific help. Like, you know, you need to always drop what you're doing when I start talking. You know, that would be nice, (laughs) but that isn't, that's not going to be reparative. What's reparative is a vulnerable disclosure about the tenderness and the vulnerability that led you to get reactive. So your partner then doesn't take it personally and they feel closer to you and they want to reassure you, oh, honey, I, I always want to hear from you. If, if, if I look like I don't, it's you know because I'm not all here myself. You know? And so very often without even asking for a reassurance, a specific reassurance, you're going to get it because your partner feels safe with you now. This is wonderful advice and a technique to really stop ourselves in our tracks. And I just know that I can just reimagine being in partnership. Of course, my partner has passed on now, but I can remember times when I felt so righteous and, you know, you're doing it to me (laughs) that this is not good. And maybe there is something going on in the outer world. But that can be disconnected from our reaction to it. You're talking about our reaction to something, whether it's real or whether it's imagined. That's the most important ingredient for being more effective in our lives. Yeah, well, even if your partner is kind of self-centered, let's say, and they cut you off when you're talking and so forth, you get to speak about that. But the best time to speak about that is not when you're triggered. I mean, if you weren't triggered, you'd say, hey, hey, could I get a word in here now? You know, hey, when's it going to be my turn? You know, you'd have the friendly attitude. Or you could even say, you know, I didn't like being cut off just then. When am I going to get to talk? But you're still friendly. But when you're triggered, nothing you say is going to be effective at getting that same information across, which is, hey, when's it going to be my turn? I don't like being cut off. Those are normal, honest communications that we all need to be able to have. But when you add the load of an emotional trigger on top of that, then you're not going to be able to be heard because you're blaming, finger pointing, and uh, you know, you're, you're seeing them as the enemy. 
versus just, hey, I know, I know you can be a little self-centered at times, but when's it my turn? <laughs> it's different when you're yeah. friendly. And if you're not friendly and if you're critical or complaining, there's always some level of a trigger in there. And you might want to handle your trigger before you go talk to your partner about a real problem that the two of you have. I think that's such good advice. And I think you really nailed it there, Susan, to look at, am I coming from my reactive trigger, lower brain, reptilian brain, or do I want to be effective? And how can I do that? And in your whole work, your five steps of trigger work really addresses this. I want to thank you so much for putting this all down in a book. And I know you have many YouTube videos on your website and other ways that people can plug into your work. So thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today, Susan. Thank you for what you're doing, Justine. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Susan Campbell. She's a clinical psychologist and author of From Trigger to Tranquil, How Self-Compassion and Mindful Presence Can Transform Relationship Conflicts and Heal Childhood Wounds. And to find out more about her work, go to her website, susancampbell.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.